Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. What's up, everybody? Got a great episode today with Tom Chorsky. We had him on a few episodes ago. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Guys won the Stanley Cup. He is a pretty well-known name in the game, especially if you're from Minnesota. Uh, and we're really tackling the issue of mental fitness, mental health, and hockey uh, today from multiple fronts, uh, everything from depression to uh, just kind of how to manage players on a team, as a parent, as a coach, as as someone else's parent, like not the parent of another kid. Uh, it's a bit of a long conversation, so you might want to consume this one in two parts. Uh, but it's really, really good. Just so many nuggets of wisdom in this one from from really the entire uh, crew here today. So check that out. Also, if you're watching this, uh, it's still not quite the holiday yet. So you got some time. Head over to OurKidsPlayHockey.com. Check out our holiday deals. Again, we aggregated together a bunch of deals for uh, teams, for individuals. If you're looking for a late stocking stuffer with some pretty cool discounts for you, uh, you know, from our team. So if you want to support us, follow us subscribe to us share us with friends that's number one if you also want to support us uh, a little bit different check out our kidsplayhockey.com and see those deals and uh, it's a great way to support the show with that said you are a fantastic audience we cannot thank you enough we grow every week i'm so thankful for you i really genuinely mean that and i really hope you enjoy this episode with tom chorsky and the crew on our kids play hockey here we go Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Mike Benelli and Christy Casciano-Burns. And we have Tom Chorsky with us back again today because we've got a very uh, important topic today. We're going to be talking about mental health and mental fitness with kind of the older age group, that 12-year-old up uh, uh, section of the, the audience that we have today. Now, with that said, if you are under 12, if your kids are under 12, this is still going to be a really powerful episode for you because your kids will be over 12 before you know it. And this is going to be a lot of great stuff to help you out. I'm sure some of it will apply to the younger age groups as, as well. But Tom, I'm going to throw it to you again. We're, we're talking about mental fitness. One of the things you said 
uh, prior to the episode that really hit me is you, you've seen this as a player and now you're experiencing it as a, a parent. And I think that gives a, a really well-rounded view on this, but talk for a few minutes about why we're doing this episode, right? And, and why this is an important topic we need to cover. Well, I think first and foremost, this is a topic that has been um, covered more and more and, and better and better. And I think we're in a, a much better place than, than we were as a sport and, and maybe hopefully even as a society, uh, even, even two, three, four years ago. Um, sadly, I think we still see athletes that um, choose to take their own life. And, and usually it's connected back to um, somewhat related to their sport or they, at least they're athletes. And, and, and oftentimes you don't know exactly what was going on. Right. Because um, this, the story is, is often told by parents that they had no idea, but um, the, you know, the reason, I think the reason that we need to keep talking about it. And, and like I said, teams and organizations and leagues have been doing a much better job, but it's just something that's, it's, it's really hard for, for young people um, and, and athletes and they get a lot on their plate um, and they're super passionate about their sport, whether it's hockey or gymnastics or cheer or whatever. And, you know, we all get really passionate about these activities that we're in and then sometimes run into, you know, either a coach who seems to be making it um, harder through the way they communicate or the way they um, act and things like that or teammates and, and just so there's a lot of elements to it and I think that's why it's such such a complex issue but it's it's also like anything I think the more you talk about it and make it a little more normal especially for young people because they have the, they're the ones the hardest you know teenagers don't like teenagers don't like to talk about their their um you know their insecurities and their vulnerabilities or their issues anyway so yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been finding, you know, and obviously social media plays such a huge role in all this, right? Because I can't even imagine as a player growing up, like I get anxiety now as a parent, seeing other parents and what they're doing and, and they're like, oh man, I, I can't believe I'm not doing that with my kids or wow, that's really like an interesting thing they're doing or wow, am I missing out on all those extra sessions or that that tournament the kids went to or like I, and I'm, I think I'm pretty based in reality. And I get anxiety from it. Like, I, I can't even imagine what a 14, you know, 15 year old boy or girl feels because it's just because we're not. And I don't know if we do a great job equipping them either to deal with that. Right. I mean, I think growing up, like your parents would give you the, you know, the speech and and, and or, you know, just talk to you about being confident. And, and yo, know, you know, there, there was there was never that pressure of keeping up with everyone. I didn't think. Um, but now it's it's like a. uh like I, I feel so. I, I think I, I feel so lucky for the people that don't have any social media impact at all. Like people don't even know what's going on. Like because it's just they're they're more you know it's just a, a little bit more. It's not naive, but at least they're they just they're not jaded in any way, right? You're just like I don't know. It just this seems abnormal to think this way about your kid, and then now you think about a 15 year old. It seems abnormal to think like, well, what do you care about what other people think? Well, I care because. That three thousand people not didn't like my post, or or didn't or didn't not like it, <laughs> you know, or whatever whatever the way they they read those are, right. right? And and you're so right, Mike, because the bullying has really changed. Um, you know, it used to be in the schoolyard, right, or in the hallway or in the cafeteria. Now it follows the kids home. 
You know, it's on their phones. It's on their social media accounts. Um, well, and the bullying's different. I mean, that's what that's what yeah. Tom's saying too with the mental yeah. health, right? At least if somebody was bullying you, you punch him in the nose. <laughs> I mean, you know, just you got it over with. Said, okay, well, get the bag. Yeah. And that was get it, right? Peas, get the bag yeah. of peas out of the freezer and throw the steak on your on your eye, and, yeah. and you got it over. With. But now it's like. It's a constant, constant flow of bullying. Constant. It's like, and I don't even think it's bull. Like, I, honestly, I don't even think some kids even think it's bullying. I yeah. just think they think it's normal. It's like, not. Of course you're gonna, you're gonna, of, of course you're gonna like belittle somebody because that's just normal. Yeah. Like, well, look, uh, I'm like, I'll say this too. Like, everyone's brave when they're behind a computer. Screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah, this is yeah. not limited to kids, right? Uh, go to any NHL fan group online, and they'll tell you right. how the team should be playing, and they know because they've watched the game for 25 years. But uh, yeah, look, I think we're making a great point here that the tides have changed here. Now, going back to mental fitness and mental health, um, Tom, as you put it, uh, I think I, I call it we're in the Band-Aid phase where people are kind of aware of it. It is a serious issue. People know, oh, we, we got to pay attention to this, but we're in the, let's put a Band-Aid on it and we'll fix it. Um, and the truth is this, is that it's, it's not so much a, an open gaping wound as much as it is you have to protect your mind like you protect your body. That's kind of my my mission in, uh, in terms of this space is to, to help people realize and then to a system of you must take care of your mind like you're going to the gym to take care of your body. If you stop working out, you will get out of shape. If you are not constantly working on your mind, uh, you will get out of shape. Um, and I think one of the, and Tom, I'm gonna throw this back to you. You know, we talked about the overwhelmingness of high school and college. I think one of the mis- um, interpreted or misunderstood parts of mental fitness is that it's not something you, you get or you achieve. There are times you're going to have it and there's times you're not going to have it. And again, this is true for everyone. This is not limited to hockey players. This is human. This is a human thing. So I, I just think it's important. We realize that it's not about just getting your kids because that's what we're talking about to a good mental state. It's teaching them the tools of how to consistently maintain a good mental state or if you're out of a good mental state here's ways to get yourself back into the kind of that that area right we're not doing enough of that and that's that's where i think the space needs to go and again when the in the overwhelming world of high school and collegiate hockey um i, I think this is becoming more of a topic but we're not where we need to be yeah yet. And here's the thing, we talk about high school and college, but I think those are concepts you have to now introduce to your kids at a younger totally age. Totally agree, Christy. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's yeah. a workout. I think it's a workout. Like, you know, right. like, Tom, I'm sure like when you, you know, I mean, imagine you now being a player in the NHL and and having all this access. Now, some, and I'm sure there's some uh, of the players that now have grown up with it. Maybe it's maybe it's easier for them. Like, and, I, and, I, and my understanding is there's so much work that the NHL does or any professional sports franchises do for their players, right. To prepare them for this type of thing. We, and you know, obviously they trip up and there's a lot of mistakes, but you know, there's definitely like, so you think about what the NHL clubs do for their players. Like maybe that's something we need to do for our youth kids. Like maybe that that's gotta be something built into the way we develop our organizations. If we're actually developing the whole person and their mental health, one of the pieces of their mental health is, not only can't we have coaches berating them live, but they also have to know that what happens behind the scenes and how do we as coaches, you know, look for that and understand it. Because we see them a lot, right? We get to see the kids in, in situations that maybe parents don't get to see them in, right. in locker rooms or in yeah. social settings around their teammates. 
So maybe, you know, maybe we have to be trained better to look for those signs. Now, I think that's an important point to raise because you're right. You see the kids in different settings than we as parents see them. We might not pick up on, on some of the signs that you can pick up, up on, whether they're withdrawn, uh, you know, they're not participating as much as they used to, their behavior has changed, and they might be able to pretend with parents that everything is fine because we don't see them in those settings, but you guys do. I yeah, think that's, that's good. I think I think that's I think there's a lot of truth to that. Kids will kids will always present to their parents, you know, when they especially if they're older and, and they'll they'll present to their parents that everything's fine. Everything's um, fine, yeah. You know, and, and and they don't mention like we said, there's there's been a lot of things here. My brain's been been sort of <laughs> spinning around here, but you know, Mike, when you mentioned like I can't imagine these days even you get anxiety, but what I, what I see there is that you have awareness of it. You're aware that you are feeling a little bit of, of your, it, it, you know, not stress or anxiety, but it's, it's, I don't know, you're, you're aware that you're having thoughts and comparing, you're comparing or whatever, you know, you're wondering. Yeah, and sometimes, I, well, and then honestly, that. sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's like, Sure. Oh man, I wish I could have done that. And and, yeah. you know, and and it's like it's like when your neighbor, you know, has their nice yard, and you're like, damn it, you know, I got to stop going to hockey practice. <laughs> like, you know, like, right. you know what the heck's going I, on? I have never once thought now, that, Mike. Just so you know, <laughs> right, right. Now, you're it, now you're seeing it around the world, right? It's not just your neighborhood. Yeah. Like you're not it's, just you're not just in that little neighborhood of saying, oh wow, I really like that. That guy got a really nice car. I wonder how he did that. But now it's like you see everybody. Like there's right. there's nobody that's not your neighbor. But yeah. you're aware of it. You're you're yeah. aware that well, you're having these sort of thoughts. I think the younger you go, kids will they'll have feelings and emotions, but they're not aware right. of maybe why it's happening because they're they're clicking through their social media and they're spinning through it and they're seeing things and they don't have the they don't have the conscious you know thought like oh I'm starting to feel right. um, jealous or envious because of what i'm doing and you know we we can as adults we can we can um process that i think um you know another comment about having you know maybe some counseling or professional help at lower levels i will say i think more and more pro teams are making it available to the players they'll have a a sports performance coach or a mental performance coach i think is maybe a term instead of just a sports psychologist which implies that you know someone needs a psychologist to get their get their um you know their mind right which isn't usually always the case uh, i think that's another thing is normalizing you know that you do go through slumps and that's hard as as a hockey player or you made a bunch of mistakes and now you're getting scratched from the lineup and yeah that that puts a lot of a lot of um, anxiety and and which can lead to depression and there's a whole there's a whole host of things too right that that um, the mental health umbrella covers. Um, we usually think of it as depression, right? Or maybe stress and anxiety, but um, there can be other um, types of, of, you know, I think mental health uh, elements. So um, I, I do like the idea though of, of introducing it a little bit younger and having some people talk to players. We have a, we have a, a division three coach in Minnesota um, coach Mark Wick is his name. He, and he, he got to a point where he, he contemplated suicide. He was very close. Um, he had a, basically a, an emotional breakdown. Fortunately, his wife was a nurse. And for about the last probably three years, 
I mean, he finally just said, Hey, I have to step back from hockey and get my, I have to get healthy. And then ever, and then ever since that, he went through, you know, he went through some counseling and he kind of got back to a, a place where he decided that, yeah, he was no longer, you know, suicidal and had a lot to live for, which he did. He was a wonderful guy. And since then he's been going around and talking to teams around mid the Midwest. And maybe he's even gotten on some planes um, and it's, he's not, he, he wasn't really an expert except that he went through it and he, right. he says, I will, sh- I will show up anywhere and talk to any team because it, you know, like, yes. like all of us, it breaks his heart. If he, if they find out, I mean, he has done some research and he'll say, st- he'll talk to the players and say, statistically, you know, out of you 20 players, there's four or five of you or whatever that, you know, the number is that will experience you know, a mental health crisis. And so I know it's being talked about more and more, and we've got some organizations that are, are, um, are spurred on or, or, you know, brought on by, unfortunately, by hockey players that did take their life at, you know, in their teens or um, maybe 20 years old is another player that I'm aware of. So um, it's, it's, it's something that's being addressed, but there's a whole host of, of things that, um, it, it's not an easy, it's a complex, you know, situation. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to jump into with a few kind of actionable items, maybe for our audience a little bit here. So, Great. uh, you know, a few things about depression and suicide. One is for every parent out there and every teammate, every person, suicide awareness is something that should be on your radar. Um, almost anyone, everyone, excuse me, that commits suicide or attempts suicide is showing signs that they are going to do it. These are, these are facts that I'm giving. I'm not just making these up off the top of my head, but most give signs, most want help and are asking for help. And the most direct way to help someone, if you think they are considering suicide is to directly ask them if they are considering suicide. Now, this is a very hard thing to do. All right. For a lot of people, Um, I've actually gone through training for this and it's hard in a scenario where you're just acting it out, much less it being real. Um, But if you're a parent or a teammate that thinks someone is in that place, the best thing you can do is ask them and then understand that it's not your responsibility at that point to, quote unquote, fix them. Uh, It is your responsibility maybe to lead them to someone that can help. All right. So that that is kind of very quickly, Suicide Awareness 101. If anybody listening wants more on this, feel free to email us. I can send you to a to a, a lot of different resources. Um, now, let's talk about depression that can lead to that. Um, we find this, and I find this with, with all the work I've done with the military. Depression is uh, prevalent when three things are missing, identity, purpose, and community. When you lose one of those three things, it can be hard. If you lose all three, you are going to be in a tough place because as humans, we're not meant to operate without those things. And again, identity, who am I? What, what is it that makes me who I am? Um, purpose is this is why I'm driven and community is these are the people I'm driven with. Um, we all need that in some form. Tom, you brought up community before and having conversations and communication. I always say the key to uh, alleviating burnout or alleviating depression or any kind of uh, anxiety is to talk with other people that are experiencing it to realize, hey, I'm not alone and there's other people going through it. Too often we're looking for answers or the answer and we all experience anxiety and depression and everything so differently that it's so hard to pinpoint, here's the answer. But community, communication, that is a big key to alleviating some of that stress and at least walking forward. Um, Now, again, identity, purpose, and community. One of the problems I see in youth hockey, and this is where I want to dive into, um, is we have a lot of players 
identify as I am a hockey player. And if I'm not a hockey player, what am I? And that is a very dangerous identity because you will not get to play the game forever. doesn't matter who you are. Now, I'm not saying hockey isn't part of your life and it's not a major purpose and it's not a part of who you are. But I've always said this uh, as I get older. I, one of the biggest days of my life when I, was, when I realized, hey, I don't have to play hockey. I choose to play hockey. And then I said, well, who am I? And at the time, it was, well, you know, I want to be a good boyfriend to my future wife. You know, as I've gotten older, I want to be a good dad. Like, these are the things that I identify. I want to be a good boss and manager, a good person. That's how I identify. It's not a holier-than-thou thing in any way. That's me, right? So I think that when you identify with something, especially a game, that 98% of the game is out of your control. <laughs> uh, it, it's a dangerous place to be. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I think just talking about those three elements would be helpful for a young person, right. you know, a young player just for, because, you know, now you're breaking it down for them, identity, purpose, and community. Right. And, you know, I've lived that, uh, and I didn't have these three things to ponder when I was playing. And it's been a long time since I played, but I can tell you that when I was playing, I, when I was struggling mentally and was, was in sort of some dark places that, you know, say I'm in a slump and I'm getting scratched from the lineup or I get traded from a team because I wasn't performing and some other teams willing to give me a chance. Um, that's where, you know, that's all of a sudden, yeah, I, I'm in a new situation, so I don't have, my community maybe although my community would be my family right but but, but you know maybe you kind of in your head you think but they don't really understand what i'm going through um and, you know purpose i remember feeling at times like you know do i am i not enjoying hockey because i'm not good anymore or am i not good anymore because i'm not really passionate about it and enjoying it and so wrestling with that. So that's a, that was, I was literally struggling with my purpose too, right? Like, and my identity when you retire, um, you know, I guess it, it's a different, we talked about before we got on is just how everyone's contextually, everyone's situation is a little bit different, right? And like for me to talk about it um, would be different than a, a, a player that played through high school and then had to quit, I suppose, but maybe it's all relative, <clears throat> but when you are so passionate about a sport and you can be when you're, you can be when you're 12 or 15 or 18 or 30, right? Like me and you get done. It's so ingrained in you and it was so good to you and it was the best times of your life and it served you so well. It really, it really is part of your identity. And I know people say it's not who you are and what you do. And I'm just going to say that's easier said than done. Sure. Yeah. It's great. It's great in theory, but you can tell that to a pro athlete probably 10 times. And, but then when they walk out the door and they're, you know, in, in the quiet moments of their life, they're, they're, they're wondering like, how do I, how do I break free from that identity? Right. Cause it is all I know, but I, I, I've seen it, you know, I, I know I've, I have two kids playing college hockey, right? Clearly to get to college hockey, they were super passionate about the sport. And I can tell you from watching them grow up and, and, you know, tons of success, tons of social relationships. They had the good camaraderie with their teammates and their in their locker rooms. And they were part of, you know, high school championships. And, and the fact that they got to college means that they kept going and they kept having success. And so um, <clears throat> they, they are very passionate um, about their sport. And, and then they've got school and they have to, to 
focus on that. And that's very important. And, and so it's, it's easier said than done to break that identity, but I want to, I do want to get back and compliment you and reiterate, just putting that out there that three things are present or lacking um, when it comes to mental health, I think is, is really good help for whoever's watching this, they can write down these three things. And then now they've got some concepts to think about either, you know, for their, for their, their kids or their young players. Yeah. I guess that's my point from an organizational leadership standpoint then, right, Tom, because what Lee's saying, if identity, purpose, and community, are we doing this in sport, not just hockey, because I've been around it, all of it, but aren't we, aren't we putting kids into having to have an identity, a purpose and community when they're eight years old, when they're nine years old, like most people, like when you, that, all that kind of stuff that you can, you can handle, like when you're, you can handle better when you're a teenager and a, and an adult and a young adult and, a, and an older adult, but for a nine and 10 year old that they are their identity, their purpose and their community is their hockey life. Yeah. Or their or their tennis life or their and and the few people that make it through, I think we all look at them and say, well, look at that person. They did okay. Yeah, but that the, the, there's three thousand kids that didn't. And 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 us as parents, it's our and I guess that's where, you know, going back to that original conversation, like that that's why coaches are so important sometimes and leadership people in these sports are so important. And and we're giving we're we're putting them like we're putting our kids in their hands because like as a parent, you're blind. Like you think your kids is that person that's going to make it to the NHL? Like, you know, I, you know, as many, I've talked to, you know, thousands of families. Oh no, no, no. I want my kid to have fun. You know, you know, it just want, it has to be fun. I just want to be in a great environment, but then they do the, they do the exact opposite of what they're looking for in, in, in this, they're, they're looking to, they're identifying, they go back to the office. They identify as a triple a hockey parent. They identify their, their purpose is to, you know, the badge of honor that, you know, I did four days this week of 5.30 a.m. practices with my nine-year-old. Okay, well, that's okay. I mean, you give out if, actual badges for that, Mike. That's, if, yeah, because if that's your passion, them, but, yeah. but, if, but if your whole passion at eight and nine years old and then that's taken away at 12 and 13, I mean, imagine if the highlight of your hockey life was nine. Like at nine years old, you won this and that and went to this tournament and, you know, did all this and went to those camps. If that was your highlight, that's where I feel bad. And only because I see it again, if I was in a, if I was, if I wasn't, you know, if I was in a fishbowl and I was only around my team and my, my age group, but when you're somebody like, you know, what you're doing and Lee and obviously Chrissy's been there, um, you know, through all of this, you know, with her kids and seeing all the kids that made, you know, made it or made it mentally through this quagmire. I think a lot of it has to do with how we, we set up programming. I think it, it a lot of it has to do with the way, the people that are leading the sport put these kids in a situation where we're demanding, you know, identity, purpose, and being a part of my community way, way too early. And we're not right. leaving any room for them to find that on their own. And I think so, that's where the parents come in. I mean, you've got to take control there, mom and dad. You know, don't let that happen to your kid. There's a lot of you pressure to do that, though. There's a lot. Yeah. There's, 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 it's so hard for a parent to say, because they don't want to be the parent that says, I just want to have fun. And all the other parents are like, what are you, crazy? You can't have fun. This is hard work. Like, if you want to make it, you need to do this. Yeah, I've and, seen and, that pressure, yeah, but um, it's hopefully it's, yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, um, I think Mike Mike made a couple other good points there. And, and we have to have categories, right? So there is going to be AAA and AA. 
And in Minnesota, you, you are peewee double a, that's your top level Bantam double a. Um, and then there's triple a in the summer. And so I think, yeah, to a point to parents, if your kid is what, you know, it seems like the lower you are, the less the parent is going to be, I guess, you know, identifying with, with their hockey player or athlete, uh, if they're just sort of average or a little above average, but if you get to that top level, then as you mentioned, a lot of people take a lot of social status, uh, from that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, we're proud of our kids and I suppose yeah. the better they do, the more proud we are of them. But it, I think it, it would go a long way for, for parents to try to, you know, not squash the kids confidence, but, you know, talk less about, don't, don't always be talking about them as, as a double a player or as a triple a player. Oh, Mike made triple a this year. And, you know, cause then the kid hears that and he starts, that starts to be his identity. Right. So right. parents can start sending the right identity messages of, you know, Oh, you're a good brother. You're a good son. You're a good cousin. You're a good grandkid, you know, or daughter. And um, just if they had some awareness of, of the identity you're building <clears throat> a good student, um, you know, there's other things about their identity that you want to, that you want to enforce for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Cause if you, let's, Go to a rink lobby any day. The parents are trading their war stories. Oh, we you know drove seven hours in a blizzard. Oh, we did. <laughs> right? They're not trading yeah. stories about. Oh, my kid got uh, 4.0 on his <laughs> latest essay. This week. <laughs> yeah, but see, you know what's funny, Christy? My father would do the same thing. Like we listen, yeah. we drove. I, I listen. I've driven the hockey tournaments with my father as a kid. And I'm like out the window, scraping the front, like, hanging out of a car window on a highway, scraping the, the snow for him, right? Because he's like, we can't see, we can't see. You got to knock off the. Good old you know, days. And yeah. so, and I look back and I go, that was nuts, but it was part of the great journey. Like, listen, I loved it. My father loved it. I loved yeah. that time. What right. I'm saying is, there's nothing wrong with that either. I love. Well, 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 hold on, hold on. Let, let me let me dive in here. Well, maybe <laughs> hanging out of the car. You guys are not. making a point that I don't think you realize you're making, right, Mike? So. So again, there's the war story in what you just yeah. said, Mike, but go deeper, right? right. And I don't, want, I don't want to make it too emotional, but really, what did you love about that? It wasn't scraping the ice. You were with your dad together exactly. in a yeah. moment. That was, that was right. your identity of the moment of I'm with my right. dad in a car and we're doing something together. Right. Um, right. And this is why yeah. we keep going back to Tom's community where right. he is yeah. because that community Although it's changing a little bit, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of roadblocks right now. But that that like I never looked at my hockey community as like above somebody else's. It just it was right. mine. Like these are just my right. friends. These are the people I want to hang out with. Right. Not like oh, I can't wait to get through this community. So it, I it wasn't get to that status community. for you. That wasn't a <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't like oh, I'm driving to the game because I have right. to show that you know I I got on you know we're, we're the number tenth ranked team in the state or the county or in the town. So. It, but the, the, yeah, it was the whole point of it's right. it's okay to be crazy. It's okay to be like saying, "Why would you? You like, would you really drive in a snowstorm to go to a hockey game?" Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, but, again, but, though, let, let's. Yeah, my bad. But it's where the mental. It's where <laughs> right. it's where it's like the anxiety part. Like you have to yeah. do it because of a coach is going to say, "Listen, if you don't get your butt here, right. you're not playing." And, but, but, and yeah. I, I got to say this though, right? And and, and look, the, I got to bring ego into the conversation. I always tell people, ego is not always what people think it is. It's not just some, you know, oh, I got a big ego. Like, ego can be a lot of different things. Parents, your kids are watching you. So to Tom's point, to everybody's point, if you get to the lobby, Christy, right? 
And it's like, man, we drove seven hours in a blizzard <laughs> and I did all this. Well, how is your kid interpreting that? And I'll tell you what, here's here's a really unbelievably, and I don't care if this gets groans, a really quick thing you can add into that that totally changes the conversation. We drove seven hours in a blizzard. It was horrible. Mike was out the window scraping the car. <laughs> but you know what? I was really thankful to have that extra time with my kid. You've completely the conversation for your kid if they're listening to, wow, dad or mom was just happy to be with me. Yeah. And again, they're not going to say that to you. They're not going to turn like, oh, shucks, dad. I love it that you wanted to be with me. They're not going to say that to you. But that's that's what but they, they hear it. Right. Because yeah. I'll they tell you, and again, I was very, very blessed in this regard. I always felt safe at home. Good game, bad game, anything in between. I got to play at a high level. I never feared going home to my parents and the fear of being judged by them as a hockey player because I never thought that that's all I was to them. And parents, I don't think any parent, to be fair, means to do that to their kid. Right. But if you're not, Tom, to your point, conscious of how you're identifying, yeah, right? Odds are they're picking up on that. Well, my 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 dad is so proud of me for being a triple A hockey player. And if I don't succeed at that, you guys listening, carry that conversation on your head. I'm gonna say this again. I don't think any parent, or I should say most parents, have no intention of doing that. But you gotta be conscious, you gotta wake up to identity, purpose, community. Tom, you said it earlier, you got to be conscious to what am I feeling right now? When I work with the eight-year-olds, a lot of my work is tell me what you're feeling. Identify the feeling so you know what that is. That's sadness. That's regret. That's anger. I want you to know what these are so you can learn to control them. And I don't want you to forget how to feel. That's another thing. You know, we'd say, don't cry. Right. Don't do this. Don't be angry. That is bad advice. Yeah. Be angry. Identify that you're angry and then learn how to control your anger. You're going right. to feel when you bury your feelings. It's like bottling up gas. It's going to explode at some point. Yes. Right. right? So Tom, right. go ahead. Yeah. I, I can see him. yeah, no, I, I think, <clears throat> I think you're absolutely right. You touch on that. Sometimes we're trying to squish, squish down these emotions, you know, I just, just let it go, let it go. And I've tried saying that to my, my kids at times, let it go. Don't, don't dwell on it, but um, you're right. I think, it's important to feel those emotions and, and that those are real human experiences and it's okay. It's normal. It's not, it's not abnormal and there's nothing wrong with your brain when you are frustrated or depressed or anxious or stressed out. That's, that's, that's normal. Um, you know, another thing, community, uh, the hockey community is so great. You know, I, I, I was thinking about the, the, when you guys are talking about the lobby and things like that. And, you know, there are times when uh, you don't play well or you don't play a lot, you know, certain teams, if, if the coach does have discretion to, to sit a player or sit a line, you know, you're on the fourth line and you don't play a lot, but uh, there are some wonderful parents in that hockey community. When you come out from the game, you know, I, I can remember parents coming over, you know, so, the non-parent parent that came over to a kid and said, Hey, hang in there, keep, you know, keep up the good work. Uh, and, and that's part of that community that can be helpful. So the reason I say it is just as if there's some parents listening and watching, if you're aware that you're not, you know, someone on your son or daughter's team is kind of getting the short end of the stick or the coach is yelling at them because you're aware of it, or they're just not playing very much, or they made a big mistake. I think it means a lot for for a non-parent to walk over to a player 
and pat him on the back and say, Hey, you know, go get them next time or keep going or whatever. Because as a parent telling a kid, sometimes the kid's just going to think, well, of course my mom or dad's going to say that to me. Of course they think it's fine. Of course, blah, blah, blah. But it means a lot more. And it probably could be a meaningful um, comment made by a, a non-parent parent, if that makes sense. Yeah, Tom, isn't that, kind of, sense, yeah. yeah isn't that kind of like that community, right? Like I know, I know a, a group of parents that I can, that I can be around when their kids come out and dad would be like, okay, we got to talk about this like that. And I could, I, I, and I'm confident in my community that I can step in and be like, Hey, let him go. Let him just get, you know, Hey, he doesn't want to hear from you. And then he make a joke and like, Oh, you can talk to him tomorrow morning and get on live barn and, you know, break down the film. And just like, you can help as a parent to another parent diffuse them a little bit too. Right. Cause you can't catch yourself sometimes. Like if you're a parent, if you have a really good friend or a, if you really are from a strong community and it's not about, you know, like to your point, Tom, I think that's such a great aspect because sometimes like good or bad sometimes the kids and the parents aren't getting that from the coach like they're in la la like they're they're in they're in like limbo like they don't know why the kid didn't play or you know not every coach has the opportunity to go down the bench and say hey i know you didn't get a lot of ice time today but i just want to know i really appreciate those two shifts you put in there and this is what you did for us or hey wow you're really you're really you're getting to a point where we're going to start depending on you more or like it's hard for coaches to find those kids it's easy to find the top six, right? And and always be talking to them. But it's hard to find the kid that has a good or bad shift. They sit. Maybe they didn't get in the lineup. Maybe the coach forgot him on the bench. Yeah, whatever. And happen. and then and then the turnaround. So if you're a parent in the hallway, you can be in a great situation where you're like, like if you see a parent getting on their own kid, you yeah. can almost bring that person down to reality saying, Wow, you know, I love this back checking that on that on that shift. If he back checks like that, he's getting in the lineup. Like that coach is not going to miss that. Like that's where, you know, that's where you can help diffuse these situations and make it, you know, I, I, I tend to use like sarcasm probably too much. Um, but it's like, that's where you could kind of get in there and diffuse it a little bit for the parent. And most of the time, like our, you know, the typical 24 hour rule, you wake up the next morning at breakfast and you, and you forgot why you wanted to yell at your kid anyway. You're like, Oh, this, this right. is well, the, uh, it, it takes a village. Right. That's, that's just the same. But, but you can about. support, you can support, right. as you know, like it's, it's so easy as an outsider to see and feel the pain of a kid. Like you could see the kid, like, oh, he's getting beat up by his dad. And, and you might have, you might have just gotten done doing it with your kid. I don't know. Right. But I'm just saying, if you have the ability to have a really strong community, that's a really great opportunity for you to step in there and be a peer and say, yeah, no, no, let him go, let him go. His, his friends are waiting for him outside. And then maybe you can get the conversation going with that parent about, you know, whatever, how good their kid is. And, uh, oh, you know what? Did you hear that he's he, he he led the team in cleaning up the locker room on the road trip? That's unbelievable. Like, that makes us look great. Like, what, what a great what a great thing. Like, I, I'm I'm so proud of that as a parent. When I when my kids' teams, you know, are there's kids on the teams that are being great role models. I want to tell those parents how great a role model they are for my kid. Like, and then, not, not that they're the star player, they're just a player. They're a person on the team. Like I've never understood how you could put somebody on a team and never play them. Like, I don't get that. Like, I don't even get as an athlete, like, man, how would you go to practice every day? And you have zero chance of playing. Right. So to me, like, okay, well then what is it that drives a kid to keep coming back? It's community. It's feeling like they're progressing. It's feeling like somebody values them. It's feeling like they understand, okay, I'm not playing yet, but this is my goal. And this is how I'm going to get there. If we can do that mentally for kids, 
at least now they can put the pieces together, right? It's not like a, it's not like every single game you're counting the minutes of how much ice time you got. It's not a question. It's just a question. <laughs> no, we are great. <laughs> it's well put. <laughs> no, one of the other things I want to talk about here, uh, Tom, is you brought up this before the show is uh, not dogs barking, no, but um, ambiguity, um, you know, in that a lot of time the messaging, and this happens to parents, it happens to coaches, can be missed, mainly because of the way we're presenting it. Um, you know, I did a podcast not too long ago. I talked about communication. Um, and I, t- I, I always give you the example. You could be the best tactician on the planet, but if you can't effectively communicate those tactics, what's the worth of it, right? So it's the same thing with motivation and mental fitness and mental health. You know, if you're trying to bring a, a kid up, uh, you got to be able to meet them where they're at and and bring them up. You know, one of the common mistakes I, I see is coaches trying to tell the kid, well, hey, listen, wait till you get older because you got to go to your work every day and then it's, you know, you're, you might have a spouse that's yelling at your kids. No, no 12-year-old cares. No 18-year-old cares, right? You got to meet them where they're at. They have a right to their 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old problems. You got to try and remember. Yeah, it's hard. You got to try and remember what it was like for you and have some empathy and then communicate. And it, it just does not mean there does not need to be discipline. It does not mean there does not need to be um, maybe a stern tone. Like, you know, I, I was, when I bring this up to people, I was, what, what do you go with, soft? No, there's <laughs> just a way, there's a way you have to communicate. So Tom, the question to you here is um, as a parent, as a coach and as a former player, you know, what are some tactics uh, or tips for, for the group here to, to, to do that? Well, I think, you know, the ambiguity typically comes from the coach and coaches, as I said to you, will intentionally, sometimes want their players to be in the dark. I'm talking kind of the higher levels now and things that I, things that I experienced or things when I talk to pro players, or if I, you know, even in college, you know, coaches don't feel beholden to tell anyone anything. Right. And I know you guys have done podcasts about that too, is where, you know, it's the parent is no longer, you know, part of the equation when it comes to the college hockey player. Um, And so yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can't go tell the coach, Hey, could you be a little more clear and concise? You know, you got to, you got to tell your kid, Hey, you got to go talk to the coach and, and try to get some sort of communication going. Cause you're not getting any communication or the communication you're getting is it's, it's unclear, right. Ambiguity. And that's a terrible place to be for a player. Now I will tell you this, the higher levels you're at, the, the coaches they've been through these conversations a million times and they will continue to hold true to their philosophy. They'll talk to you, but they know how to have a conversation and not really say anything or make any promises because they don't want to be held to a promise that you're going to play more. Like you can go say, I want more playing time or I want a bigger role and they're not going to just say, okay, right. They're going to talk to you and they might give you some feedback on how you can do that or why you're not doing that, but they just generally have a way of, of talking about it. So I think at the end of the day, the best thing um, is to, you know, try and arm our, our parents and our players with how to handle it. Right. And, and there is so much uncertainty and ambiguity in general. Um, and, and everyone wants certainty. You know, we all want our kid to, you know, go into a tryout and we'd love to know that he's going to make the team. She's going to make the team. Um, but that's just unrealistic. So, you know, the, the best thing is, 
you know, the, I think probably one of the old axioms that you hear is control the controllables. Um, again, maybe, maybe easier said than done, but when you really, but when you really, um, get down to it and you, you know, it becomes usually it's your actions or your effort and your attitude or your, in your mindset. And those are the things you really can control. You can't control what, you know, the, the puck's going to do, what the, your teammates are going to do, what the coaches are going to do. So, um, I do think that is helpful, um, to, to try and take that on. And then, um, you can, you can also expect it to be unexpected, expect it to be uncertain, expect there to be ambiguity and just go, ah, there's that ambiguity we always talk about, you know, or, you know, have to deal with and try and maybe make it, um, a bit of a, a bit of a running joke, but it's hard. That's, that's the hard part when you're so intense and you want to get in the lineup or you want to play more. And this is true for 15 year olds and, and 12 year olds too, I suppose, because you're not always, the coach isn't going to always have the same, you know, penalty killer and power play. And, you know, they tend to lean on their better players and, and that gets frustrating. And, but then the communication, if it, if it's not clear, if it's kind of foggy, then we're back to that ambiguity and, um, I don't know. I think that the best thing you can try to do is, is learn how to learn how to handle it, or you can ask for more clarity. Tom, I'll tell you a, a quick story about that. Um, and it, it's a good one. You know, it's almost a paradox story to me. I you know I knew a young man who playing in the minors, right? Um, very, very talented player. Uh, you could easily say one of the most talented players on the team. Coach played him five shifts a game. And he could not understand it, but I, I give him credit. He was always mentally tough. And you know what would happen? He would score every game with those five shifts. So he got to a point of, well, why isn't he playing me more? I'm scoring more. Coach kept giving him five shifts every game, five shifts, goal, five shifts, goal. Well, the coach knew exactly what he was doing <laughs> because he knows in that situation that that guy's going to give his best for five shifts. And he might think that in a full game, he's not going to. And the player obviously was upset. He goes, I want more shifts, but it was one of those situations, again, this was the minors, where they both understood what they needed to do. Uh, they won the championship together. The player was not ecstatic. The coach was ecstatic. But, you know, the following season, the player moved up to a higher level. The coach won the championship and they replaced them. My point to you is this, people, is that you don't always have to like your role. Um, you don't always – but it's important to have a role. And that I don't think the communication was great, but they both had an understanding of how to do that in a way that would be conducive for the team. But it's not always going to be a perfect. It's not always you get what you want, right? That was an example of a coach understanding a player, at least from his point of view, and a player Motivating accepting him. Try, yeah. Thought he was doing the right thing to motivate him. Right, right. And again, whether I agree with that or not is irrelevant. Clearly, the uh, the results were there. Yeah, so Tom, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the episodes, all like actually often about, you know, preparing – you know, your player and your family for what teams you choose to go to, right? If you're, if you don't want ambiguity, then don't go to a coach that, you know, right. doesn't communicate. Like, like, if you know, I'd rather, I, I can't tell you like right now, this is the silly season for, for me as like a hockey, uh, you know, in my advisory roles with youth hockey parents, right? Because, Oh, you know, that team you told me not to go to, Oh my God, my kid is, is miserable. Like I knew, you know, we probably shouldn't have went there. I know it's a higher level, but the coach, he doesn't play as much. He's not playing as much as he did last year. The coach doesn't communicate with him. I'm like, well, I told you that though last year. And the coach was that coach. Like, well, I know, I, well, I know, but they play, they play at a higher level. But what do you care? Your kids aren't even playing, so they're not even being affected by the higher level. Like, to me, that's where your research has to come in, good or bad. Hey, listen, there, and there's other coaches that I've said, well, you knew what you were getting into. Like, yeah, I guess I did. I knew, I knew that this 
person wasn't going to communicate with me. Okay, then you knew that going in. So don't all of a sudden say, well, how come the coach hasn't changed to me? Well, because that's you chose the coach. You know, there's plenty of programs, right? So I think that's one of the pieces. Now, can, can coaches be educated and do a better job of learning how and why the need is to communicate to help their teams perform? But just to uh, Lee's story, you know, maybe they don't need to. I mean, uh, listen, I, on the I remember as a, yeah. as a college yeah. coach, I probably I probably played, I don't, I don't want to even call it head games, but motivational pushes and pulls to make sure I, because I thought I knew my athlete. That athlete was pissed, but you know what? He's so pissed that he scored a goal, <laughs> or he's so pissed that he that he got the MVP of the of the of the weekend tournament, or he's so pissed that you know he 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 drove his teammates to to drive like a like a kind of a Herb Brooks you know short series right. philosophy. Like people are like at the time probably like, oh what an what an a hole this guy is, or oh I can't believe this guy just doesn't want to you know he doesn't like us. Well, it doesn't matter. He found pushing buttons, right? And I think. A lot of that's an art, though. I think that's really, it's you know, it's it's hard to do, or else everybody would do it. But I think I think if we fall on the side of let's communicate, let's express our feelings to our players, let's let them know where we stand. Always, I feel is <laughs> is better than not than than silence. And I think that's just at the, especially at the young levels because let's face it, you're coaching the kid and the parent. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team effort at 12 years old, at 13 years, 15 years old, even 16 years old, the, the, the kids are still living with the family. Like, so if you want to, if you want to keep the dinner table from being against you, then, then get everybody together and say, well, this is why we're doing it. Now you might not agree with me, which is fine. Somebody has to make a decision. I'm just letting you know how I feel about it. And then we can work together on how you can change my mind or I can change your mind whatever it is, let's just have that conversation about what it is. And I think then this, you know, this discussion about mental health that we have with our kids and the anxiety and not knowing and the uncertainty, that's what I think really affects teenagers is I, I just don't know. The coach just keeps telling me to work harder. Well, what the heck does that mean? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, you work hard. I'm working, I'm working ambient. hard. I'm working that's... hard. And, and the coach said, well, you know what I mean is let me show you five videos where you pulled up, curled off and did nothing inside the zone. Oh, okay. Well that, that that's to me, that's, that, that's something that's not subjective. That's like, you're doing it or you're not doing it. Or, Hey, let's discuss with mom and dad. Have you had the discussion with mom and dad, how you haven't been to practice on time in 16 weeks in a row. And yet they drop you off on time. So what are you doing? Where are you? What are you doing? Hanging out. You're not prepared. So let's have that conversation so that now mom and dad can look and go, well, what the heck? He didn't tell me that. Of course he didn't tell you that. It's like my kid. Hey, do your homework? Yeah, I did it on the bus. There's no way you did your homework on the bus. <laughs> like, how is that possible? No, I did it on the bus. And then you find out, you know, a week later, he, he hadn't done his homework. So it's just a matter of have that conversation. The quicker you can have it the, and and, the, and and having it more often, right, is, is to me a, a right. It's a parent right to be able to say, Okay, son, have you talked to your coach? Yes. Has he given you an answer? No. Have you asked him to meet with all of us? Yes. Has he given an answer? No. Okay, now I'm going to intervene. Now we're going to have a conversation together because I want my son to be able to communicate with me what he thinks and why he is in the situation he's in. Now, again, when you leave the room, it's not you must do what I want you to do because I'm the parent. It's I just want to I just want to understand what's happening so that I can coach my son or daughter 
to be the best athlete for you. And I think if parents approach that differently to coaches, they now become an advocate instead of an adversary. And then the coach is like, wow, if I could get this parent, if I could, if I really want to motivate this kid, I got to get the parent on my side and help me motivate the kid. And that's, co- I mean, to me, I don't know, that's coaching. That's, that's the funnest yeah. part. Like that's the, the greatest part about coaching is coaching. Right. There's a big divide though. Now you're talking about coaches and, and them being ideal, right. And, and being open to that type of communication. And again, it's at different levels. It's there's different, I guess, uh, philosophies about it, but, um, the hardest thing, yeah, is coach gets to be who coach wants to be. And he or she wants to keep a arm's length between um, parents and maybe also, like I said, wants to keep a player guessing. As Lee was talking about, sometimes a coach will be hard on a player because they think that's what's going to motivate them. Now, that's a bit of an art form, and it's it's a higher level of coaching usually you know, at the youth levels, it's just a coach who doesn't have faith in a player. He doesn't believe in him or her, and he's going to try to, you know, short shift him or not play him yeah, as much. It's easier to and, bury the player, right? It's easier yeah, to I bury mean, the player on the bench than coach him. Yeah, because they're not going to get better in in the moment, typically, right. unless, I mean, long-term, yeah, you should play him, and you should be willing to, you know, let them fail or let the team lose a game, more important than crushing a kid's spirit. But, um that's just maybe not realistic. Uh, So the, you know, I just, it's hard to, it's hard to get everyone on the same page, but I do think to your point, I will say, I do think coaches, it would go a long way if they would be a little more open to um, um, some communicating back and forth. I always think a coach can communicate to the, could communicate sort of to the team in a mass email. Here's what's going on with our team, blah, blah, blah. And it would keep the parents at bay a little bit, right? You don't have to, you don't have to put in the email why you sat Johnny or Janie um, and get personal or too detailed, but coaches don't want to communicate anything. It seems a lot of times, and that leaves the parents in the dark. And, and, and I think sometimes coaches will also tell the kids, Hey kids, just don't talk to your parents and then we don't know that because the kid doesn't say coach told me yeah, not to like, talk to you. Yeah, they right, just, right. they just don't, they just don't want to talk to you in the, you know, so. Well, the best part is if you're a it's good art, control. It, it's an art form too, of writing an email directed at one parent. That sounds like you're talking to all the parents. Cause all well, the parents know who you're talking yeah. about. It, like, it, you know, what we should do as a team, <laughs> we should do a little better job of not jumping up on the glass and yelling okay. at the officials. Well, that, you know, as a team, this will help us, you know, <laughs> right. really, you know, uh, you know, so I think, I think parents, listen, if you're on a real, if you're on a team, everyone knows what's going on. Right. So it's just, I think, but I think that, that point, Tom, of, of coordinating an ability to say, listen, even if you just send out a generic email, something that just says, here's where we're at. This is what I love doing. This is what we're trying to do. And then at least the parents are like, okay, the guy's got a plan at least. Now I might not like the plan. I think he's an idiot, but at least I know he thinks he has a plan. It's the one, it's the parents that once you allow, like once you allow the little opening, Right. And then you get the, the the group of dads over here in the corner and the moms over here. And now you got the parents yes. that are friends. silos. And now silos. all those little silos of people yeah, are saying, yeah. you know, like all of a sudden it breaks down. And unfortunately, in my experience, you're seeing that earlier and earlier and earlier right. in the season. Oh, I totally Sometimes see it. it's like yeah. after the first weekend tournament, like, oh, my God, what the hell did we get into? And it's, it's September. And I'm like, well, you know, 
But so instead, just like, you know, you, you might just be proactive as, as in a coaching staff. And, and I think, and we've probably had this conversation on the podcast before, it doesn't even have to come from you. If you have an assistant coach that's a great communicator and right. loves writing emails, then let them be the communication person. Let them be the conduit for you. Um, you know, or if you have a parent that is, you know, somewhat sane, a manager, somebody that's like, like I've always felt that more people in your inner circle from a coach especially the youth hockey level, because everyone, you know, parents are the staff. The more people you have doing assignments with you and for you, the better it is for you as a coach, because there's more people in the camp that can say, no, 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 you got to see what this guy's doing. Like he's really trying here or no, no, no. He, he wants to do this, but you know, maybe your kid has to come to practice once every four weeks. Like that will help him play like things like that, where you get, you get advocates on your side. And again, I'm talking about 12 to, 15 yeah well, Mike, I think we should talking, and because we're talking about yeah. you know, mental health it doesn't what that's really where the breakdown occurs because let's face it the, whatever the parents are saying in the car is going back to the kid and i think back to our original conversation most of the time it's in snapchat and it's privately and the parents don't even know that the kid's getting you know like oh my god i can't believe your dad said this or i can't believe <laughs> you know your mom did this like we're not even seeing those conversations as parents i i, I want to jump in with a few things you know j- just so like giving some tips to to parents and really coaches out there so number one mike you you alluded to this we should say there's a definite breakdown between the levels like when you're in a pro environment or i should say a paid environment it's a job right and you're being paid to win so i i i feel that and tom you can feel free to to tell me if you agree or disagree with this but Pro coaches that succeed tend to have a high level of emotional intelligence. They know how to motivate players. Now, let's take it off the pros for a minute because most of you listening are not coaching pro hockey, right? Which is fine. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do to get this on your team. We, we talked earlier about, well, I don't know how that kid's motivated. I've heard that. I don't know how to motivate that kid. Well, there's a really simple solution to that. Ask the kid how they're motivated. We, we don't do these incredibly simple things. Well, they're not going to answer me. That means the trust doesn't exist there, all right? You can find out a lot about a kid just by talking with them or asking questions. Does it motivate you when you're yelled at? First off, most of them are going to say no. Guarantee you a couple of them will say yes. I've always been shocked, but I've always had kids say, no, I like it when you're on top of me, like, and yelling at me. Like, that no, I, motivates I love, me. I love the kid at the, end of the, at the end of practice, like, you know, coach, you should skate more. I'm like, really? Okay, let's, let's do <laughs> but, that. Let's, let's do it. Like, I'm like, oh, that's so boring. Like, I don't want to skate you. So why don't we do something different? Well, but, that's what I'm saying. Look, right. like, everyone's motivated differently. I know. I look. Look. <laughs> I I think about the failures of myself as a player in college and other levels, and it's a two way street, right? I had coaches that I don't feel accurately, accurately, adequately. That's the word I was looking for knew how to motivate me. Now, at the same time, I wasn't really open to them because the way I was at that age. So this is a two-way street. But one is to just ask simple questions. What motivates you? What demotivates you? All right? You know, what what do you want to accomplish? That's one. Number two is breaking this misconception. I can't speak for all coaches with this. I just, this is just my style. But there's a misconception that power and control as a coach come from not talking or withholding information as I'm going to keep this close to my chest because then I have one up on you. And in my experience, guys, that just breeds mistrust. It breeds silos and clicks. It creates problems. The best coaches understand you have to develop trust with everyone, players, parents, 
and the staff. And that can be done very early in the season. It's not hard to develop a rudimentary system of trust of I'm going to communicate. And then you got to communicate. All right. The, the, I, I say this all the time. 10 out of 10 problems, all of them happen because of poor communication. There's absolutely other reasons for it. But bad communication will always breed problems. It doesn't matter the scenario. Right. So so I'll give you a quick example. And Tom, I definitely want you to dive into this. Um Don Staley, who is an NCAA championship coach, she is probably the greatest women's basketball coach in history. She is revered by coaches, men and women everywhere. I had the privilege to sit with her uh, at the Philadelphia Coaches Conference, and she said something that shocked me because um, somebody asked her, how do you deal with the parents? And I was expecting her to say, well, I just don't. This is collegiate basketball. And she said, you know what? The last few years I've flipped myself on that. I actually have a monthly Zoom call with all the parents to inform them, Mike, as you said, in a group environment, a team environment, here's what's happening. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And she goes, I openly communicate with them in that environment. It's not excessive, but I have that communication because, and she said this, and this is what really hit me. She said, cause it doesn't matter what I say at the end of the day, they're going home to their parents and they're talking to their parents and that's the biggest influence in their life. And I'd be crazy not to tap into that. Yeah. She's so right. She is so right on that. Now, again, is it easy for her? I'm sure it's not. Okay. Does she want to do it? I'd say 99% chance, probably not. But she understands that that communication piece has to be there for the trust to exist between her and the parent, her and the player. And again, the work speaks for itself. This woman wins all the time. Like there's no, there's no way around that. She is the greatest at what she does. So I just wanted to share that. But Tom, I, again, Mike and I are sucking up all the oxygen because we're from the Northeast. It's your turn to talk. I'm even going to mute my microphone. <laughs> no, um, I, I I love what you just said about Don Staley. I think I agree with that a lot. Um, and that's what I've been trying to get at. But I think it's it's asking a lot to flip the whole coaching culture, you know, uh, yeah. 180. Right. Um, I'm a little pessimistic still um, and jaded when it comes to the way coaches are communicating. Because, again, I've got – in my peer group and friends and relatives and everything, you know, I've got more friends and relatives that are playing at college hockey or pro hockey. And I've been through it. Right. And I, and I came from the old school way. So it was, it was, it was pretty barbaric at times, but um, I, I do think the way you do the the way she does those calls you, and, and you said, does she like to do it? Probably not. No, but she knows that she understands how important it is. And I would guess that the more you do it, you know, you fine tune it and you start to figure out the level of information, which you are willing to put out there. Right. And you again, give and hopefully, it all away, right. That, and I, hopefully I that. Yeah. yeah, no, she's not giving it. The coach doesn't have yeah. to give out all away, just some really broad concepts of where right. the team's at, you know, and he's, if you started saying, well, you know, we're really working on our offense uh, this week because our scoring's down or we're really working on our defense because we got to get our goals against down. Um, you know, our, we, our goaltending, if you look at the save percentage, has been fine. So it's, you know, the goalies are making the saves, but we're just giving up too many shots. Whatever. Like you can, and then all of a sudden parents feel like you're including them. Right. right, right. And all of a sudden they're like, and you're, and you'd be educating them a little bit. Right. And then, so then if, and if a parent has any, honest integrity or, or, and understands their, their son or daughter's, you know, strengths and weaknesses, they might look and go, huh, my son or daughter's minus seven 
And so they're on the wrong side of the plus minus thing. Not that that's the most, I'm just using an example. Right. Sure yeah, yeah. And it'd be like, well, you know, coach said in our call that they're really concerned about our goals against. And Johnny's been out there for, you know, two of the last six goals that have been scored against our team. I get it. That's why he's in the doghouse. I, you know, that would be great. And, you know, but even I don't get that type of, of, of feedback. Um, another thing that you were talking about earlier about what motivates you go talk to him. I agree. That's great communication. The flip side, you know, the other side of the coin is to um, play devil's advocate here is, you know, some coaches will say, and I don't know what level, maybe not at the lower, lower levels, but at starting at, you know, 15 or maybe even 13, 14, can a coach say to a player, Hey, if I have to motivate you, maybe you're in the wrong business. You know, maybe if, if you need me to, you know, pump your tires and pat you on the back and blow some smoke, then maybe, maybe hockey isn't for you. You know, it's sort of like coaches, coaches have enough to worry about than trying to motivate each player. Right. 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 But Tom, I think, I think that's a great point. So how do we, so how we as parents, cause I, I would do it with, I would do it with my kids teachers like i would literally be like okay listen you know he i i would i would be in that conversation right we're not asking for a 13 year old to maybe maybe articulate like and maybe it's not like how do i how do you motivate me it's more like well coach you know when you when you know i just feel coach i just want to let you know i feel that you're you know you're pointing my flaws out and what i'm doing wrong more than other players oh yeah i didn't even realize i was doing that well you know why i'm doing it because I just expect so much more out of you than those other knuckleheads. Like I'm, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, like your my expectation for you now. And, and that all of a sudden changes the whole conversation with a kid. Then he's like, like, uh, cause I used to tell like even the players that I was playing with as, as a player, I'm like, you know, he's all over you. Cause he, cause we need you. Like, like, trust me, if a coach isn't saying anything to you, yeah. that's, that's terrible. That's, that's, that's like, that's thing. like, that's like, he's not even yelling at me. Like, holy smoke. He just wants me to get out. Like he's just hoping I quit. Right. Cause I don't want to, I, I don't even have the energy to yell at you. And so to me, it's like, I've often found like when a coach is flipping their lid or strategically, like, like, you know, playing head games or whatever, they're doing it because they expect more out of you. And if you could tell a 13 year old that sometimes that's all the motivation you need. Like, Hey, listen, you better take it buddy. Cause I'm going to be flinging arrows at you for the next month. Like I need you to elevate this team because I expect this out of you. Now the player might turn around and be like, I, I can't take that pressure coach. Like, that's just not me. Now, maybe Tom, that's the conversation. Be like, well, you know, this is a tough, it's tough, it's tough to tough be sport. in sports. <laughs> like it, it's just tough to be in any sport. You're it's tough to be in any competitive environment. If you, if you're, if you're the chess coach and you just can't take the, the chess coach breathing over your shoulder, telling you, you have no time, you have no time, you have no time. Like, <laughs> then maybe, maybe it's just not you. Maybe you're not, you're not the pressure. Like our job as coaches is to, is to teach how to perform under pressure. So, so then how, but what is that pressure? Is the pressure negative pressure, positive pressure? Is it pressure that the player wants? And again, I I think, I I think I would be in the same situation. Like, okay, wait a minute. You're telling me how you want me to motivate you. What the hell are you, you know, that's my job. And let me, let me jump back in here too. Cause this is a, this is actually a great conversation. It's a great topic. Uh, and I'll tell you kind of what I've learned from my research, right? Because, because Tom, you're right. Um, especially at the higher levels, it's you should be able to be motivated. What I'm looking for at a higher level, and the teams that I've coached that have succeeded and won, uh, when we ask that question, keeping in mind that when I say I ask this question, it's in a in a preseason type environment. There's multiple coaches doing it. 
Um, and we say, you know, how are you motivated? I'm not looking for a, I am motivated this way, right? I like it when I see, and I see this again on the winning teams. Well, what motivates me is when we win or what motivates me is when my teammates work hard and, and uh, or what demotivates me is when my teammates aren't given everything they have. To me, that's a really good answer. It's a really good sign. But these are these are young men and women who have, again, the emotional intelligence that's been developed that that it's I know how I'm motivated. I, I want to motivate my team. There's a higher level of accountability here. So rounding out this entire conversation and, th and this this is where, Tom, you're probably right to be a little pessimistic, but I'm hopeful that we can change this in the future. This is where it starts at Adam level hockey all the way up of how intelligent emotionally are we helping our kids become? Do they understand what they're feeling? Can we help them control those emotions? Do they understand that I don't like it when I'm yelled at or I like it when I'm yelled at and I need to effectively communicate to my coach who may not listen, which is part of it. This is how I'm motivated. And then can they get to a higher level of accountability with that, right? I I am motivated. I'm talking about myself now. Keep in mind, I'm just playing adult league hockey, but I still keep this kind of philosophy. I'm motivated when my teammates do well. I'm When one of my teammates scores, I'm super motivated by that. I'm excited by that. When my teammates help each other, that's just where I'm at. Okay. Um, not to keep this on me. I'm just saying that this comes back to what you said, talking about dignity and understanding. And you're right. As a parent, if your kid is having a hard time emotionally at 15 or 16 about being motivated, this is on the parent too, to have that conversation with their kid of, look, you're playing at a high level. Your coach's job is not to make sure that you're happy all the time. Your coach's job is to help the team win. Yeah. How are you motivated, son, daughter? Let's let's learn about this. Let's become emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Keeping in mind, too, parents, that the last, whatever, 15, 16, 17 years of, of their life, you've been the beacon of them for that. All right. Which is which is yeah. never fun or easy. You know, if, if kids do anything, Mike, it's they show us our own imperfections. And there's really a couple ways of dealing with that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard conversations. Like, what are you doing right. to demotivate the coach? Like, what are you doing to demotivate right. that Is team? Two like, are we, like, you know, I, I just like look, I just recently had a conversation with a student athlete who was like, "Oh, nobody likes that kid on the team." I go, well, "Do you like him?" Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't mind him. He's okay. I go, then why don't you be the beacon of 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 right. light? Why don't you be the one that says, oh, let's not talk about the kid when he leaves the locker room. Why don't we talk about him when he's in the locker room? Oh, we really need to be on time. You know, hey, you got to stop riding the coach because, you know, you could really help us. Like, and again, that's, I'm not expecting 12 and 13 and 14 year old men and women and girls and boys to understand that. We have to coach them to do right. that. We I have to that. give them the tools to say, you know what you could do differently. You could, you could not, you don't have to jump on the Twitter bandwagon and throw out the 140 character beatdown of the kid when he leaves the locker room. You could actually be the one that says, wow, wouldn't it be cool if this kid showed up on time and what can we do to help get this player to be on our team and con contribute more? And to me, again, that's a learned behavior. That's not, and I'm not saying that's easy because Tom even brought it up earlier. Like it happens in work. It happens in real life. Like, but, but these are the skills we want to teach our kids that when you can do that at 13, 14, 15 years old, and when your career is over and your, your identity is no longer a professional paid hockey player, you can now take that into any environment. And even like I would expect that from my like the pro guys that I work with that, that played pro hockey that now I, I work with at the youth hockey level. I'm like, do you know what kind of influence you have? Like I'm sure, Tom, when you walk into a in, and you're in the stands, your influence, good or bad, is so much stronger than the average parent. Because it just is because you can say like, listen, like guys, we could tone it down. But this kid, I see a lot. Look at I, I think this kid's a good player. And wow, they're on our team. 
like we're not doing any tra- nobody's getting traded december 15th you know from my my midget triple a yeah. team so what can we do to make this person a part of helping us win because i want to win i want to win so i'm not going to win without <laughs> this team right and again that's those aren't easy i get it or like for me i just go stand in the corner and, and not listen to anyone but you know don't even get involved <laughs> Yeah, but the con- I, think- I know the conversation can go <clears throat> a thousand different ways, but I think it's it's I much rather see the people that are in these situations for change to be proactive right. instead of just laying back and saying, "Hey, it's the way it is. These people are nuts." And and then that's a bad like for me. I get into that, and I'm like, "Okay, why am I even? Why am I even sticking my nose in this?" And I should have yeah, been there, but I but I'm like. I need to <laughs> you know, yeah. let me, you know, I've got, I got to make the comment. And then you just kind of stand back and say, hey, listen, if you don't want to, if you don't believe me, that's fine. Um, I got the only analogy I can ever give, like usually that works, you know, for me is like, listen, I'm not a car mechanic. You asked me to change the oil in my car. You're, you're probably blowing your engine. But if, but, if, but I, but I do this, like, this is, I'm around a lot of athletes. I'm a lot around a lot of parents. I'm a lot of, around a lot of kids. And I get to hear the cradle, the grave stories. I get to hear the kid that started at eight. And then at 18, the parents like, I can't believe it's over. Like, wow did that go faster holy moly i wish i would have done this okay well let's all let's learn from all those people that said i wish i would have done this and then said okay well is it really really that important to do this or can we do this and and have the same outcome i don't know it just takes the people that are the leadership positions have the knowledge base and have the personality the ability to speak instead of just laying low and and saying okay i'm gonna watch this parent's house burn down because i don't want to be involved like I just, I, I tend not to be that person. And a lot of the people that I'm around tend not to be those people. So instead of being like the voice of like bad, right. Just be the voice of reason be. And that again, it's not easy, you know, and, and sometimes you got to walk away, but sometimes you can really make an impact and, 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 you know, I don't know, I'd rather be the person that's trying to make the impact than the person that walks away. Yeah. Not a, I, not, again, not a question, just a statement. No, I know. I, I think I, <laughs> I've been in those situations that you're talking about. And I think sometimes I've been a good influence. And I think sometimes I've been a bad influence. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes the expertise in my background and experiences comes out and I, I've, I've been critical of coaches. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not proud of it. Uh, I'm, you know, it's a shortcoming of mine to be pretty convicted about my beliefs and, so you're like, it's just like, yeah, so I should bite my tongue sometimes. And, but sometimes I just have to say it, you know, like my wife this, reminds me to bite my tongue, but so that's my, that's my voice to reach. Like, don't yeah. do it. Don't do but, it. Don't go there. Don't go yeah. there. <laughs> but to kind of bring this back to, to, you know, the mental health thing and maybe some things that are helpful, you know, another, a book I've been reading lately um, by Ray Dalio, it's, it's principles, principles of life and principles of work. And, and his number one thing is be a hyper realist. And it's about being very honest with yourself and honest about your kid and honest about, you know, really what you want. Right. And then now we're talking about values. So, you know, and I, I talked, I think in our last um, podcast with you guys about, you know, I hate seeing um, the game get more out of the player than the player gets out of the game yeah. or the tail wagging the dog kind of thing. It's like, you know, parents and parents and players as younger, when you're younger, you know, you could probably do yourself a little bit of favor to, to take a little inventory on what you value and what you really want out of this. You know, they say, Oh, I just want them to have fun. Okay. Well, if that's really the case, then 
be hyper realistic as Ray Dalio would say and say, you know what? We're not going to try out for the top team. Or even if my kid made the top team because he's skilled enough, hmm. but if he's going to be on the third or fourth line and not play as much as the other, he's good enough to be on the top team, but he's not ready for that type of pressure. Or as a family, we just don't, we don't value um, status over playing time. We don't value hockey over mental health because a lot of people do. And, you know, and, and I probably would have too, like if my kid, could have made the top team i'd probably put him on the top team and then you know but then if knowing what i know now down the road and having just read this book and now adopted this philosophy of being hyper realistic about really what you want and values aligning with who you are or who your kid is or ask your kid when he starts to be 12 or 13 they probably haven't identified their values but if you had a conversation he said what do you really value you know do you value the friendships do you value the hard do you value the the uh challenge and to, to, you know, cause if that's what you are, are up for, then great, we'll go for it. But if a kid can be honest, or if you as a parent, you kind of know your kid uh, and it's harder when they're 12 than when they're 18. Cause you know, you've had a few more years of those teen years and they've have started to evolve into that young adult. You might know them better, but I, I just think that being really realistic about what you want, you said it kind of earlier out, out of, out of a sport, um, and you can, you can control some of that anxiety, some of that, um, pressure, some of the things that you, you really value. And if, like communication, you got to in, in youth hockey and tryouts, you can't get to the coach before the tryouts and say, Hey, what kind of communicator are you? Cause if my kid makes your team, but you don't communicate well, I, I don't want to be on that team, you know, but unfortunately, but you can ask around, you can ask as your, you know, here's maybe another tactic for parents is as your kid is entering that next level, as they're going into it, try to do a little homework, try to do a little research, try to find out if, 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 you know, Johnny or Janie makes this team, what to expect. And then, really maybe do a, do a hard look at, is that what, is that a coach that we want to play for just because they're, you know, yeah, it's the top team. Ideally, typically you want your player on the top team, but not if it's going to not be enjoyable or not fun, then maybe yeah, you just op, opt out. It's, it's funny time. Cause I make, I don't make, but one of my main, main suggestions for the organizations I work with now we're going to a lot, but the ones that listen and want to want to evolve, right. Is we develop like your coaches have to have a mission statement and have to have a coaching philosophy. Like if you get, if you try to get a college job or a high school job or a prep school job, the, the first question is going to be, you know, okay, give, give me your coaching philosophy. Give me, give me who you are, who you are as a coach. Cause I want to know beforehand, like, yeah, you won games, you did this, you did that. But I need to know, like, what is your, like, what's your own mission statement? And I think we could do that at the youth level. I, there's no reason at all that a coach can't give, you know, what their mission statement and philosophy is ahead of time. And I would think as a coach, I'd want to say that too, because I don't want players coming to me and then me dealing with all this, the, this drama later on. Like, How why can't can I even just... operate without that? Like, like, Mike, I'm with well, you. Well, because some like, coaches like, say, oh, I yeah. played, I played, I played in the show and, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, oh, man. you know, like, I, I've, 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 my kid played hockey at a high level. So now therefore I can coach at a high level. And I don't know if that's the case. I want to know who the person is. And if right. I'm paying right. eight, nine, 10, 15, $25,000 a year to play hockey, I want to know me as a coach, I want to hire kids that can play under my philosophy. Cause again, to Tom's point earlier, I'm not going to change. 
like this is your this is who you're getting like i know who i am i'm an adult i know where i am and how what my philosophy is and how i want to do it now because a lot of times people like i know for a fact like with me parents will shy away from me because in uh, in my mission statement no. is 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 is, is <laughs> i will not play just to win like i will not play just for a score i'm going to play for a long-term success of a student and an athlete and that one weekend is not going to change how i want to go about things it just won't so just know that your kid's not going to be sitting at the end of the bench no matter yeah. now for unless it's like something you know real like egregious like okay you're late or for instance like if you're going to a tournament with me and you you're you've got a a, a tin of chewing tobacco in your room with an underclassman you're probably going to sit but if you're <laughs> but, but if you're but if you're but if you're doing your job you're showing for practice you're on my team i picked you if I picked you, then I'm telling you how smart I am that I that I know how to evaluate talent. You're gonna play, Mike, and but I want yeah. I want parents to know that this this is what I say. And and actually, Thomas is a good segue because the last note I have on my my sheet here is to talk about dignity, personality, which is what I think we're getting into here. But again, quick actionable items. This is mine. You don't have to do it. Although this is used at some pretty high levels. Every coach, every parent, everybody that's doing a job. You should have a vision, a grand vision of what you want to accomplish during your tenure in that role. You should have a mission, which is what you want to accomplish in the, the year or the season. Then you should be having objectives and tactics on a monthly and daily basis on how you're going to achieve those things. But if you walk into a locker room, and this does not have to be complicated. If you walk into a locker room and you are not sharing any of that with your team, you are destined to fail. You are just destined to fail. All right. How are they supposed to follow you if they don't know where they're going? And it's, it looks like you don't know where you're going if you don't tell them that. So vision, mission, objectives, and tactics, I think, are a simple way to do it. You should take a few minutes, and you should revisit those often because they can change. Your vision can absolutely change over the course of a few years as your team evolves uh, or your job evolves or your whatever it is that you're doing evolves. But um, again, Tom, I want to turn to you about uh, everything Mike said, but just also dignity because you brought that word up in the pre-show. I think it's a really important one we need to discuss and kind of get your definition of it. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really unfortunate when coaches, you know, get critical or um, critique and give feedback that attacks the dignity of a player. And, you know, I don't know, I'm not in every youth hockey locker room, but I, I don't think it's, it's too pervasive, but I, I, from my own experiences and, and the higher up you get and coaches are harder and harder on players, you know, it can happen in the high school level. And I've heard in, you know, say in, in, in midget or Bantams and, and or major, you know, major teams like that, you know, the coaches start to be, they still might be that old school mentality and you can be hard on a player for, um, you know, how they're playing and usually it should be their effort. Right. And, or if they're making repeated mistakes, you know, then a coach can get, in, get into a guy and, and say, you know what, you keep making the same mistake. We've talked about it time and time again, but anyway, um, if, you know, but if they're gonna, if they're gonna use language and communication and feedback that attacks, you know, a, a player's personality, right, or or their dignity, you know, that that's now we're getting into an area where it could really impact, the, you know, the the player emotionally and 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 significantly, and so you know you don't you don't want to ever hear that that happens. Now, one of the ways you you sort of just talked about having a mission and a purpose and 
and having some objectives and tactics. You know, the other thing that is helpful for coaches is if they have their team has an identity, right. Give the team an identity, right. you know, maybe you're fast and furious or you're, you're, you know, small, but sneaky, you know, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you give them an identity and then you can do that with players too. And then if your player is playing to his identity, all you can do is compliment them on that. Hey, we agreed to, this is your identity. And maybe the player isn't going to score a lot and make a lot of plays, but if they can, if they're fast and can take away time and space, um, if they're not afraid to be physical and finish checks, and then they do that, you know, a coach should be able to, to pay them some compliments that they're, they're meeting their identity. Um, yeah. cause it, cause a kid might feel bad that they don't score ever, ever. And, you know, but if you keep going to them and going, you know what, I know you haven't scored, but remember what we talked about, your identity isn't to be our goal scorer. We got some guys that are scoring and Hey, we're still winning and you're part of that. So, um, that, that actually gives dignity then, then takes it away. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's just what it does too. It, it, it so it, it's, it's taking a couple of roles, right? It's, it's number one, helping identify identities within a team because everybody can't be the first line centerman. Like everybody can't be the leading goal scorer. Somebody's got to do something else. Right. And I think you see it at the pro level, especially when you watch guys that are specialists, like penalty kill special, like somebody says, okay, I'm not going to get a lot of ice time, but when I do get out there, I can guarantee you this, that puck's not getting over the red line. Like, like this, I'm not going to lose my man or I'm not, I'm a defenseman that like, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of D now that are, that are, you know, real D like just defend, not Cal McCarr, not Adam Fox, not, you know, these are just defensemen. Like somebody's got to play D. I don't care how the game goes. It, it doesn't no matter where the game goes. Somebody still has to play D. So take like take that as a as a badge of honor. Take that role and that dignity of like, listen, nobody's beating me one on one. I might not go end to end and put a top shelf goal in. I'm not doing a zegris behind the net, but I could tell you right now what I'm going to do is you're not going to get by me. And I'm going to make sure that I position my play, my, you know, my, my area, I'm going to protect my zone and I'm going to get I'm, my dignity is going to be, I'm going to get pucks up to you, get goal scorer score. I play D I don't want my first line centerman stuck on the point because <laughs> it's ugly. Right. And I think, and, and certain kids, I think that that goes to, you know, a way you as a coach now can, you know, you know, give people identity and give people dignity and give people an opportunity to have success based off of what you value and saying, okay, listen, I don't need you to be this guy, but I love the fact that you're this guy. And what a great way to, 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 to right. frame that because you can do that to any player at any level. I think you're the best door opener in the, in the whole, in the whole County. I think you <laughs> open the door better than anyone. And, and, and you got, if you keep doing that for us, you're helping our team win or whatever, you know, whatever right. it is. Like, but I think it's, if you give kids little that's why, that's why people love, but getting back to Lee's point in the beginning, that's why people yeah. love being a part of community. That's why you that's why you stay on a team when you're not the leading goal scorer. You stay on a team right. because you feel there's value that you like that, that you're valuable. But right. who wants to the be challenge, a team that you don't feel valuable on. Yeah, let me jump in. The challenge there will be though, you know, typically um a, a parent will think that their son or daughter is the superstar or they want him to be more of the scorer. They go, Oh, my son's, you know, and I've seen it cause I've, I've run a junior team and I've had my, you know, my kids go through that level. And, and, and I know when I was running the junior team that, you know, that's, I guess it happened, could happen in high school too, but junior was really where, and, and, and I saw it in pro too, is where you really have to get realistic. As I mentioned, that's why I really value this book by Ray Dalio and, and, and the number one important principle 
is being realistic. And it's hard for parents to be realistic sometimes with their what their kids' ability is. And it takes a lot of work to communicate them, you know, if you are a coach to say, you know, Mr. Jones, I know you think Jimmy is a goal scorer, but he's just not compared to these other six guys I have. So if yeah. if he's gonna be on our team, we need him to play a certain role. Now and that's what I think there's value in it. I think it's really because now you are you're 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 not taking away someone's dignity. You're 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 actually trying to give them an identity on the team and a role. Um, but you know that's the challenge there is that because I saw it in junior, these kids would want to keep being goal scorers because that's what they were back in midget uh, or high school. And and as an expert, you can evaluate them. And go look, you can skate, and you're you're pretty big. Um, I know you scored some goals at the school you were at last year, but you actually played in kind of a weak league. Uh, you played with the other two best players. I'm just telling you, on this team, I need you to be this. And yes. and hopefully, when they're when they're you know 18, 19 years old, they can start to accept that. But I'm telling you, even at that level, old habits die hard. Oh, yeah. And 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 they'll they'll nod their head and say. Yep. Yep. Got it, coach. Yep. I got it. And then they go out and they can still see him trying to, you know, dangle toe pull at the blue line. Cause they want to beat that guy out of the zone and they turn it over and it ends up in the back of the net. And you're like, I tried to, I'm trying to tell you how you should play. And that's not how I want you to play. Right. But, but, but isn't, if it isn't that the great part about, you know, being, being an ability to have that thought, like, you know, like coming in and saying, listen, I know where you are at, at, at 10 and, and 12 and 15 and 18 but now I have 18 of you like, and now you need to change your role or that's why kids listen. There's a reason why the top of the pyramid is so small. It's because right. all the kids that can't evolve or can't take that role or can't take that, that advice and can't then pivot and say, Oh boy, you know what? He, this, this person sees me in this different light. And if I can change my game because I have all these other core skills to, to help me, then I can, my, my, you know, my career can keep progressing and I think that's where, you know, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but we come back to communication and, and trust. And why, and why, do, you, why do you hate to say that, Mike? Was, because if we and, don't, because none of us communicate well enough. I know. Well, we're, and we're also back to identity and purpose, right? Like all right. of a sudden these kids, <laughs> I mean, this is to, just to kind of bring it back to mental health. That's where I see a lot of, you know, at the junior level was these kids all of a sudden being told they aren't who they think they are. Right. And it's not handled well, typically. Coaches have too many players to choose from and they don't have time to, you know, try and convince them. And so they just go, you know what, this guy gets it. Uh, he, he gets his role. I've got this other guy who actually is, could be pretty good, but the, I, I know that they're not going to accept this role and they don't really want it. And they don't want to adjust. Um, and then, I'll, or they do keep them and they, and they try to talk to them and tell them they're going to change. And the player says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I can be, I think I can be something else. And, and, and this is where mental health starts to break down and they start to, they start to get, um, have problems because their identity is changing or someone's asking them to change their identity. And now the player's questioning, questioning two things. I thought I was a goal scorer. or I thought I was a good hockey player. This coach is telling me, I'm a, I'm a plugger, right? I'm a grinder. Or um, I, I thought I really loved hockey. I, I, I can tell you this too. It's a, it's a gauntlet. You know, the higher you go, it gets more and more competitive. And it, that's another thing that's hard for, for players to accept um, that, that 
all of a sudden it's really hard and they start questioning, do I really like hockey? And, and then they, they have to come to a realistic, <laughs> you know, a realistic determination that, you know what, I think I was playing hockey for the social elements right, yeah. of it, for the camaraderie, for the, for the, for the, um, you know, call it the brotherhood or sisterhood um, for the community of it. But it's lost its purpose, and I don't think I like it anymore. Well, and then right there, Tom, right? What have you lost? All three things. You've lost your identity, you've lost your purpose, and you've lost your community in one, <laughs> one swoop. Right. Um, and that's that's why these these are so important. And again, kind of rounding the episode out, parents, coaches of the youth levels, right? These are things that, in my opinion, it's on us to help these kids learn. And And again – it's about equipping them with tools so they can do it themselves. I mean, I, I always, that's one of the part, tough parts of parenting. It's, you know, you want to do it for them half the time, but the truth is you, you got to teach them the fish, not just give them the fish. Right. So when it comes to identity, purpose and community, and Tom, you said this earlier, just start having conversations about those words. You can do this at a very young age. You can do this in the teenage years of, Hey, what do you think your identity is? Well, I'm a hockey player. All right. Well, okay. Let's just say your kid says that you're not going to convince them otherwise. Tom, you were just talking about this. Mike, you were just talking about this. You know, what I would do, I think, you know, if this happens for me and I wish someone had done this for me is if I identify as a goal scorer when I'm 16, you know, I want to start having conversations about Steve Eiserman and how Steve Eiserman completely changed the way he played the game to win Stanley Cups. He became a defensive forward at one point of his career when he was one of the greatest goal scorers in the league. Right. So, then have that conversation with your kid of, you know what would make you really great if you're well-rounded in different identities of being a grinder, being a goal scorer, being a playmaker, being a good teammate, being the fourth line guy. And I'm not saying you should try all those things, but opening them up to that, hey, the the more tools you have in your toolkit, the more valuable you're going to be in an older, older, higher level. Um, I always tell parents all the time, you know, if you feel like your kid's struggling, look at your team and find the gaps. Man, we don't have a playmaker, right? Well, you can create a role for yourself and become a great playmaker. Odds are the coach is probably going to see that. Hopefully sometimes coaches don't see assists like they should. We're not going to go into that. That's a whole nother episode. All right. But it's about communicating, teaching, identity, purpose, community, understanding what trust is, understanding what, you know, dignity is. I think that's another great word you, you, you bring up. We don't talk about enough on this show. It's just dignity and take how easy it is to take that away from a kid by your communication or lack thereof. So, again, rounding this out, Tom, again, because we've been talking for a long time, which is awesome. (laughs) There are a lot of things we can do as coaches, as parents, as teammates, um, and as adults of non-parents, right? We said that, that can really help raise the emotional intelligence of our young young players, because I believe that better people will make better players. I, I wish we thought about that more, that we celebrate all forms of success, not just winning games, academic success, when a kid shows character, doing stuff when no one's looking, you know, being a good teammate, lifting your friends up. You can say these are wishy-washy eye-roller things, or you can lean into them and realize that that those are the things that separate people when talent exists on an even playing field. And I, I wish we would do more of that. I think that's the the joint mission we're on. And I want to throw it back to you two guys for, for any final words. Yeah. No, I mean, I, listen, I, we could just, I would just, I would just turn the episode off. We stay on the phone for a couple hours, but I think it's just, <laughs> I, think, I think it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, at the end of the day, we all have to 
um, the leadership in in these roles. And I, I do I consider myself a leader in this space when I'm working with other coaches and, and I want to yeah. be a leader. Like I want to say, like I, said, I made a lot of mistakes. I've berated kids and I've, I've left locker rooms. Like what the hell was I thinking? Like, why would I say that to him or, or her? Or why, you know, why, why didn't I approach that parent differently? Or, you know, you know, wow, I, I really, I really made that impact, you know, and, but more than not, I, I, I run into people that I made a positive impact on. Right. And, but you, but I think right. it comes down to the old, you know, a very old adage, right. That, 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 you know, you can affect the player in one, one sentence, you could affect the kid the rest of your life, the rest of their life. So just be conscious of what you're saying. Are we all going to be perfect? No. Are we all going to make the, the greatest decisions as far as, you know, critiquing a player or not moting a player properly or having a conversation with a parent? I, I try to always step back and be like the first time when a parent's yelling at me or upset with me or a player is, you know, not happy with the way I'm coaching them. That's the first time they're having that interaction. For me, it might be the 700th. Right. And so I'm like, I, I, but I can't treat it like I've talked to them 700 times. I've got to treat them like it's the first time I've ever heard it. That's a good so, point. And that's so hard to do. It's like, you know, being at the, I mean, you almost have to be like a, a customer service person at, at Home Depot. Like how many times do you get the same stupid question every, you know, that the, they're like, I, 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 this is dumb. Like, but, but it's the first time you're saying it. Right. Yeah. So I, and I think that's the way I try to look at parents. Like I say, okay, well, let me, let me take this perspective from a person that has no idea that this probably has happened 4 million times before. <laughs> and, Take a deep and, breath and then do and, it. And, and, <laughs> but again, I think it's just how you approach it and not be condescending and not, you know, not, not embarrass anyone. Um, it, it, but again, it's very, very hard to do because very few of us are in the positions um, to make those decisions, right? You're, you're, you're kind of have these players in your hand and you're the one making these decisions. And, and uh, you know, parents, I feel, I guess feel, like there's some type of entitlement there, like like you're working for them. And and I try to be like, well, I'm just trying to help you. And I, I don't think, and, and I will say this, 98% of us coaching want nothing but the best for the kids. Like nobody is going out of their way to hurt a child and ruin like their uh, motivation for wanting to be in a sport. I just don't see it. I, I just, you know, do I see crazy people? Yes, but I don't see nobody's getting in saying, "Okay, this is the year I'm going to have four kids quit." Can't wait for can't wait for that to happen. Like it's that doesn't happen. So it's just a matter of you know how do we all communicate better? How do we all try try to bring the temperature down? And and how do we find ways to work together to motivate our kids so that we can see the signs of mental stress? So we can see the signs of a kid being depressed. So we can see the signs of somebody not thinking they're reaching their expectations of what the parent or the coach thinks they should be. And then we can intervene and have honest, open conversations about how and then to move forward. And it, it can't always be, well, you know, cause sometimes moving forward is, All right, well, maybe you just shouldn't play this sport and you should move to something that makes you happy. Don't, don't make don't, don't think it makes me happy. And I think that's where I see the most is, when you see that, you know, in time, you've seen it now, right? With the kids, like you see the kids with the dead eyes. Like you see the kids that have no joy in being there. Like they're there and they're good. They perform well, but there's no joy. And, you know, and, and sometimes I'd rather have a kid with a lot of joy with a lot, with no talent <laughs> than a kid with a hell of a lot of talent with zero yeah, joy. 100%. And, 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 and to me, it's just like, and that's, again, it's, it's all, I, I love these conversations because it opens it up to now like have a lot of self-reflection and then start thinking about, okay, well, how am I going to approach a kid this week and make sure that I'm sending the right messages so that they don't feel like there's some kind of stress that like, if they don't do something for me, uh, 
then you know they're they've they're a failure in in the eyes of their their coach their teammates their parents you know whatever yeah yeah i think just to wrap up here um as as lee has talked about communication is so important um both in and you'd like to have healthy communication from from coach to player player to coach you know player to player kind of just have that whole ecosystem of communication that might be um, a little idealistic, but from what you also said is, you know, you don't no coach is like getting into it to ruin a kid. Like they might, um, they might ruin kids, but they're not getting into it to ruin kids. So it's a, it's a matter of, of, uh, of a lack of, you know, emotional intelligence or a lack of, or just their philosophy or their personal style. So maybe that's another way for players and parents to look at it and handle it and just say it's an uncontrollable first of all second of all it's not your fault that that's how they are right i mean they're just bad at communicating let's leave it at that like at least then it makes it a little understandable and then maybe and then maybe a player and a parent can um almost accept it instead of internalize Yeah. yeah. And instead of internalize it and, and go through that ambiguity phase and misunderstanding or not understanding, which is what leads to, I think the um, anxiety or, or depression or um, you know, those, those negative emotions, you know, the, yeah. it's sad. It's really sad, but it's unfortunate. It's not sad. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, all, it, but at it's least it's a teachable it, moment though. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Sorry, I, I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm saying that no. it's all teachable. If you have a bad coach or you have a tough year, as a parent, I want to utilize that experience, which sucks and is very painful. I want to utilize that for after high school, after college. Of you, you know, and, and again, look, these are hard conversations. No, no kid wants to have this. You're going to be in positions in the future where you might have a leader that's not good. So how are we going to deal with it now? Like those are the questions that don't get asked enough. Oh, too often right now, we're just finger pointing. Just like, well, yeah, he's a bad coach. And that's why you're not playing because the coach is bad. That is of no value to anyone, right? It's of no value. Right. You're just saving them from pain that they're going to experience later on anyway, yeah. right? So teach it. It's going to hurt either way. If you have a situation like that, how are we going to attack this together so that my kid can learn the skills needed to deal with this in the future, whether it's in collegiate minor or pro hockey or right. just the workplace or college, whatever. Sorry. So I just wanted to say that, Tom, I do want you to, I did want to give you the last word though. <laughs> no. And I don't, I think we've, we've, you know, we've talked a lot in a long time, as you said earlier, and um, it's a complex, complex topic. Right. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors, but you know, one of the things that, that I do think really was valuable here was, you know, was, was your, your talking about identity, purpose, and community. I think that lays it out real quickly for um, parents that find themselves in a situation where they are feeling um, stress and anxiety or their son or daughter is right. um, look at those three elements, um, understand them communication thing and maybe if you do have to go approach a coach you know maybe it's starts off with hey coach I understand I know you're not doing this on purpose but you know and this could be the player if he if he 
or she is strong enough and confident enough to do it, say, I know you're not doing it on purpose, but I'm going through a really bad time. And right. I just need you to, I just need you to know that, you know, yeah. and maybe that's good enough. Just, I think it'd be good for the player to get it off their chest. And, and it could be just saying, that's all. I just wanted to let you know that. And I'm not asking for anything else, whatever, because otherwise, you know, players go in there. How do I get on the power play? How do I get on the penalty kill? How do I get more ice time? You know, uh, how do I, I want to play on the, with these other players because I think I'm good enough to play with them, whatever. Like that's a, that's a probably a conversation that's not going to go as well. Cause the coach doesn't want to be told who to play and when to play them or how to play them, you know, but if you are having a hard time as a player or as a parent, maybe it just gets a little bit of dialogue going and things can get better. If you start off with saying, I know you're not doing it on purpose. And you know what? I think maybe my son or daughter is, or, or me as a player is I'm, this is hard, but it's being realistic. I'm not as strong as the other guys, the other players. And I know you yell at them, but when you yell at me, and this is being vulnerable and it's, it's asking a lot of a young player. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, but, or as a parent, you can just say, Hey, I'm not calling to complain and anything. I just want you to know that my son or daughter's going through a hard time. I'm not asking for more playing time. I'm not asking for this. All I'm saying is that I really want this experience to be good. Can you just, just want you to be aware of that. Yeah. The awareness part is huge. I mean, it's like, you know, and it can't be like, Hey, you know, Mr. Korsky told my dad that I should be on the same line as so-and-so don't, don't say that, but, but you can, yeah. but you can, def- but you could definitely say like, listen, just want to let you know, you know, Tommy just broke up with his girlfriend. He's been dating her for three years, probably going through a little tough time. Right. However, however that is, you don't know him because you don't live with him. You don't, you don't have breakfast with him. You don't have dinner with right. him. I do. And I'm his parent. Right. That's my job. My job is to not protect them, but to advocate for them. And, you know, so, and that you take that what you want, but just understand that's the situation or little things like for me at the little, the youngest kids level is like, tell me if your son is deaf in their right ear. Like, I need to know that. Like, these are things yeah. like, don't, don't let me assume right. like, Oh, by the way, my son usually wears glasses, but for no time in the, in, 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 that he's going to wear glasses, he won't do it in hockey. So, if I'm screaming at a kid that he doesn't understand what I'm teaching, it's probably because he can't see. Right. And, but if I don't communicate that as a parent, I just think the kid's an idiot. You know, I'm just like, well, the kid doesn't right. care. That's got to communicate. Like just communicate. And then I think, but at the older level, you can't be afraid. And again, if you're a coach, if you're a coach, that's going to take that the wrong way. I guess shame on you. But if you're a parent of an 18 year old that can't say not for nothing, just let you know, I know he's not going to say this to you. And maybe the first part is you tell your son to go see it, right? But if the son doesn't say it and, they, and he's struggling, he's like, and you say, look, I just want you to let you know. He's going through this or she's going through this. No big deal. Just want to give you a heads up. Have a great day. And then, you know, there's no there's no quid pro quo. There's no, like, yeah, you must right. do this to get this. There's no, like, there's no way, you know, right. you, if you gave him more playing time, I think he'd feel better. You know, you don't right. want to do that. Right. You know, it is, Can't do that. That's not it. I'm just letting you know that this is, he's not in a great place right now. Just be aware of it. I could guarantee you if I know that, I'm, I I might even be able to get in there and be like, oh my god, you know, it really like what can we? You, no. you got to create that environment. What can we do? Got to create the trust and you got to yeah. create the communication bridge that everybody understands. But and, and, but that's why you're yeah. part of sport, right? That's why you don't yeah. sit in your basement 
and and do nothing. Like you, you, you're <laughs> part of you're a part of sport because you want that community. Like the whole idea, the negative parts of community, you know, have to be outweighed by the positive parts of being in the community. And being a part of the community is the fact that you do have support. You have people in locker rooms. That's what's so great about hockey, right? And we all say this all the time. Like you're in a constraint. You're like where Lee is right now, right? You're in a constrained area, shoulder to shoulder with somebody, getting dressed, and 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 you're forced to communicate. Hopefully. It's not like other sports where you get out of your car and you run on the field and you go play. It's you're 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 it the, the sport builds the community. It builds the opportunity for conversation and then we just need to flourish that. We need to enhance I'll, that. I'll say this. Sports is the opportunity to build identity, purpose and community. And I think to to round 100%. this out, yeah, that is we've rounded like, this out like seven right. times. Well, but, but here's the like therein, <laughs> therein lies the rub, right? Like, like, yeah, we, we, Mike, you're passionate about this. We all are. It's it's there's the rub, right? Like, this is that is what the true gift of sports is at any level. I just I think you know if you lose sight of that, which a lot of us have done or that can do, and and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. You can go in and out of that. You know, that's when the, the, the negative things start to happen. That's when the mental breakdowns start to happen. So, uh, Tom, I want to thank you again for donating so much time today. Uh, another fantastic episode with you, buddy. It's great talking with you guys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm sure this will not be the last. And uh, for those of you listening, if you haven't, if you're still listening, if you have <laughs> if you have a question for for Tom or any of us, feel free to email us at team at ourkidsplayhockey.com. Uh, we'd love to have him back on. If you're wondering why you haven't heard from Christy for a while, she had to leave a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't think any of us anticipated going this long, but uh, but she uh, she's lovely, and we love having her on. And Mike Mike uh, Mike, I mean this. I'm not making funny in any way. That uh, you were very passionate about this, uh, and I love hearing you talk about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, this has been a great episode. So for Tom Choyski, Mike Benelli, Christy Cash, Anna Burns, I'm Lee Elias. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to tune in. We're here the whole holiday season. We're not stopping. We're going all the way through the new year and beyond for that matter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.